Welcome to Shilkill, a unique fusion of finance and mystery, where we pair a crypto with a crime every week. Follow for more, and if you haven't already, pull the trigger and subscribe. Caspa's Ghost Dad Protocol and Koberger's Ghosting on Dating Apps. I got that next here on Shillkill, where a pair of crypto and a crime together at the same time. This Chip Mahoney, this is Shillkill, a unique fusion of finance and mystery. And you can find the video version on my Spotify right now, as well as my YouTube. Otherwise, this is the audio version where I go into some more details better sounding audio as well. Get it wherever you get your podcasts, but check out Spotify and my YouTube. If you like a bunch of flashing lights, want to see my mug up close, you can definitely get that in the video version already dropped. So I'm talking today about Caspa and their ghost dag protocol. Caspa with a K, not to be confused with Casper, another project out there that's a good one, but that's Casper with a C. This is Caspa with a K. Top 30 project right now. New kid on the blockchain and got some details about it. Uh, there's a reason why I'm talking about it. So if you're someone new to crypto, it's a good place to be. Also, Koberger ghosted to death on dating apps. Details about the case over a year old since the Idaho four murders has yet to make his way into court. And I got some good points on that as well. And if you stick around to the end, about 10, 12 minutes or so, I've got a takeaway on investing in Bitcoin or Ethereum for newbies. So if you've never done it before, but you're catching the wave of excitement right now, put on the brakes and listen to this one because it's a real conservative approach. And I am a certified DeFi expert, have been for a few years now. So something to think about especially for new people and getting excited because crypto is taking up right now the fear and greed index is like 80 percent greed right now in coin market cap and getting close to two trillion market cap maybe for all of crypto towards the end of the year and the spot etfs incoming for bitcoin and ethereum so the big players in finance traditional finance are going to get theirs with Bitcoin and Ethereum. So how do you get yours? I've got that for you. If you stick with me. So I'm going to start today with Caspa with a K and the ghost dag protocol and why I mentioned this thing. It's a top 30 project trading around 14 cents a share as we speak time of this recording kind of unusual to see something uh, explode so quickly. Only been around about a year and a half, but 50,000% gains within that time, 130% gain over the last 30 days. So it's making some noise, gaining some traction, but why would you wanna be part of it rather than pick something like Bitcoin directly or some other altcoin in the top 20 or top 50? Why would you wanna do that? Well, 
The ghost DAG protocol is important to me because when we're talking about investing in altcoin projects, really anything outside of Bitcoin or Ethereum, we're talking about altcoin. And so many of them are blockchain projects and they all talk about features and benefits. Faster, better, kind of reminds me of search engines from 20 years ago where there was Google and hundreds of others and features and benefits. And then 20 years later, there's just Google and a couple left. But Google's got 90%, 95% of all search. So that's kind of how I see blockchain is consolidating big players sticking around, everybody else going away. But CASPA is a ghost DAG protocol. So they make use of a DAG, which is a graph-based uh, way of uh, processing rather than a linear way of doing it through a blockchain and creating these blocks. Even though they're fast, in comparison, they're really slow. So CASPA offers a DAG protocol. And there's only a few of those out there. One of them's CASPA. Another one would be Hedera. And there's a few others, but few and far between, but they do a lot as far as processing, uh, scalability and so forth. And you just can't compare a DAG to a blockchain. They're, they're apples and oranges. So I would go with a DAG all day. And CASPA seems like a good one. So when you think about blockchain, you think about um, smart contracts, linear based, but a DAG is more angular based and a lot more math put into the equation. So uh, some genius people came up with that stuff. So the ghost DAG protocol, I think, is really uh, interesting how they do uh, their processing for transaction, high transaction processing, um, parallel processing is what they would refer to it. Um, and I would suggest with any project you're interested in, going to CoinMarketCap, clicking on the website, reading the white paper, if you are thinking of investing. Now, on this one, there's an asterisk. And it means that uh, it's not listed right now here in the United States on Coinbase or Kraken. So it's kind of challenging to get this one. You get on KuCoin, but you'd have to be outside the United States. And I'm thinking that maybe within the next uh, couple months that CASPA could list on Coinbase. Uh, kind of got that feeling. But as of right now, it's kind of challenging, especially for someone who's a newbie in crypto. But again, one of my main points here is that when you are looking at investing like an altcoin, it's good to look at Caspa or even Hedera so you can compare a DAG versus a blockchain. Because most of the time you're investing in blockchains or, or games that are on blockchains, Web3 games and whatnot. So go to Caspa's website. I totally recommend that. Read the white paper. Learn about a DAG, learn about a graph protocol, um, a directed acyclic graph is what it's called, parallel processing, running at angles, high TPS, way better than a traditional blockchain. And in, in my idea about it for most blockchains, I would say, um, but that will give you more insight into how to look at other projects and especially um, what I got for you at the end, talking about Bitcoin and Ethereum, how to invest in that. Uh, you might find that one interesting as well. So CASPA with a K, not a C, uh, a lot of gains within the last year and a half, new kid on the blockchain. But if you're in the United States uh, and you can't invest in it right now, you still should invest in looking at the website and learning about a DAG protocol because 
There's few of those uh, out there on the market. And I really think those are the ones that will stick around. And if you've heard me before, some of the blockchains will consolidate and they'll just be massive ones. Like we'll find the Google somewhere. It could be uh, Avalanche, which I've talked about. Something in the future where those other ones go away. So switching gears here, going from the crypto to the crime, from the shill to the kill, talking about Koberger, ghosted to death on dating apps. That's what I think really led to the motive here. The motive to stalk one girl. And for one girl, I believe four were murdered. And I'm going to get into some of those details here. But ghosted to death, the term ghosting. You know, blockchain, Bitcoin, these are common terms nowadays. And so is ghosting. We all know what ghosting is. But 20 years ago, we didn't know what Bitcoin was. We didn't know what blockchain was. And we didn't know what ghosting was. They're all common adopted terms now in society. So we all know what it's like if you're into dating and you're getting ghosted there or not getting a response or job applications, there's really no shame left in society. So it's no harm, no foul. And so most of us were used to being ghosted or ghosting someone. It's You're not going to be shamed for it is what I'm saying. Now, Koberger took it to a whole new level. And a former friend had said, not only did it bother him, but he was just damaged because of it. He wanted a response. He wanted uh, his best version of himself, of what he thought to be liked by the people he liked, even if he was doing that online. And so when he gained access or a window into the victim's world there, right around the University of Idaho campus and that, that house that was off campus, but he was stalking one girl, never met her in person, my belief, but had a window into her life and then saw the other people. And he also saw the boyfriend there. The boyfriend had a, a girlfriend and he had two other girls in his life. So I felt that Koberger was projecting himself upon that other guy who was a dark haired guy as well. And maybe with his snowy vision, speaking of Koberger, he thought he deserved what that guy had which was a girlfriend and two other girls, one of whom Koberger was interested in stalking, trying to DM, doing all that stuff online, which is, oh, I don't know. You don't have to have any uh, confidence to do that. You can just like play around online like a, a little child. But he didn't have that confidence, even though he had worked on his best self. Uh, 2,500 miles from Pennsylvania to Washington State, uh, going into the grad program, really working on his best self, but he decided, in my opinion, to no longer play that game. He was going to stalk, and then that led to the murder. So I think ultimately having that voyeurism, that window into someone else's life and stalking them, and then being ghosted on other uh, dating or meeting apps in order to try to find uh, maybe a girlfriend or somebody like him, I think it just was all too much for a guy who really decided that even his best self, losing over 100 pounds, driving 2,500 miles, getting his graduate degree, it wasn't good enough. He didn't have the confidence. Combined with the snowy vision and all of his other problems, I think it led to those murders. Now, when they do get to the court case and they bring it in court, hopefully the cameras will be allowed. 
but the prosecution can talk about the knife. They can stab at this one. They can put it in his hand. They can talk about the DNA, the genetic genealogy. They can use that knife. The defense could talk about the cell phone tracking. They could say, well, you have all this data, but he was also a grad student at Washington State and at the University of Idaho. They do have a grad program in psychology. They don't have criminology, but he was thinking of transferring there. So he was getting acclimated to student life. And it was only about 10 miles away from where he lived anyways. So uh, it was good reason for him to be in the area. So you can't say that he was there stalking someone, uh, what you're trying to pin on him. So I think on the defense side with the two lawyers that he has, um, the cameras are in the courtroom. They're going to be playing up to those cameras as well. Uh, I can see that coming, but I think his defense is pretty solid. Even though I think he did it, I do believe that this is the guy. So prosecution, using the knife, using the knife sheath, because the knife itself hasn't been found, but the sheath was laid on uh, the bed where two of the girls were found. And in my opinion, where that knife sheath lay on the bed on the opposite side, farthest away is the intended first target, probably the first person killed. So I do believe he was in the home before found a way in maybe during a party because it's been proven that they had parties where not even the residents were home and the parties were going off. So thought he was there before he committed four murders in 60 minutes, which is like some kind of a record. Um, it's kind of like how fast a blockchain can run a smart contract. That guy killed four. And I think along his way out that pathway out the door where there was a conversation and the boyfriend was there, I think it's my belief, my opinion only, that he came across that guy, Ethan, and he ultimately wanted him to live so he could experience the misery of those three girls being murdered. So somebody could be worse off than him, but they had a confrontation. Koberger flipped the script, knifed him to death, and that's what I think happened. I don't think he intended to do that, but nonetheless, four murders within 60 minutes, that's like a record. And yeah, when blockchain first started, that's like how fast they run smart contracts. So something to think about there. So Caspa, Koberger, Ghostag, Ghosting. There's a theme there, hopefully the shill and the kill. And now here's the takeaway. I talked about how I had a conservative approach to Bitcoin and Ethereum. Bitcoin has been traded for over 10 years now. So now that it's picking up speed again and that it's going to 40,000, 41,000 and, and upwards. Maybe it'll be 80,000 before the end of the year of uh, 2023. But now for sure, the greed index is like over 80. So new people are getting excited. How do I do this? Should I buy Bitcoin? What should I do? Well, trading at 40,000, it's not cheap. I do believe that I can get to 100,000 during the bull run. And as Kathy Wood had uh, predicted that maybe 600,000 and a million, because once those spot ETFs come in for Bitcoin and Ethereum on the major financial players, wouldn't it be too hard for a pension fund or anyone that's a massive player to pick up a lot of Bitcoin? And there's really only about 40 billion left as far as value is concerned. Uh, 19.5 million or more Bitcoins have been acquired and there's only 21 million available. So you have that scarcity. And so what do you do there? 
Well, I think it's a, a smart bet that if you've never been in the market before, just to know that the people that have been there for a long time are going to take your money. So here's how I would do it. Here's how I like to do it. Take 1% invest in Bitcoin at the end of every month if you can. So if it's trading at 40000 that would be $400. Do that on Coinbase. You're going to be just fine. 1%. As it goes up to 100,000, once Bitcoin reaches 100,000 and scale back to half of 1%, and that's a conservative approach because it doesn't matter where uh, you're, you're buying it, I guess. It's just that you don't miss out. Don't miss out on something that even traditional finance is trying to come in and control this market right now with the spot ETFs because they're going after what they always get. And you got to get what you get. So I'd recommend that as a conservative approach. And then after 100,000 value on Bitcoin, you scale back to half of 1%, then look at altcoin projects related to Bitcoin. And uh, there are a few of them, one of which is like up massively in the last uh, probably 48 hours. I won't talk about it here, but it's related to Bitcoin. I mean, it's just skyrocketed. So good things to look at there. Same for Ethereum that trades around $2,000 which would be 1% of that, so $20. Once that reaches 20,000 value for one Ethereum, that would scale back to half of 1% conservatively. Then think of alt projects related to Ethereum, which there are some as well that work with that layer one. So that's what I would do. It would be a conservative approach. I would leave Bitcoin to the big players who have been there for years and don't jump in. Um, it is a pretty safe bet if you were to acquire like one Bitcoin, uh, put in 40 grand. I mean, you're, you're going to be fine. But I do think that uh, a conservative, I look at 1%. And so if it goes to 50,000, then 1% is 500. But once it gets to 100,000 value, scale back to half of 1% and then start looking at altcoin projects because this is a Bitcoin market. It has over of 50% of dominance in the market cap at like uh, total market cap for crypto, which is close to 1.5 trillion. And I do believe can go to 2 trillion uh, rather soon. So think about it that way. And I hope that helps. Well, I'm out on this one, but make sure you check out uh, Spotify for the videos, YouTube as well. I'm going to have stuff for you every week. So follow, subscribe, Come back for more because you're going to get the shill and the kill, a unique fusion of finance and mystery. So thanks for joining me here today. I'm out. Goodbye.